Support for WRFA is brought to you by Southern Chautauqua Federal Credit Union. As a local community resource, Southern Chautauqua Federal Credit Union is committed to providing its members with the professional financial services they have come to expect. Southern Chautauqua Federal Credit Union provides credit union membership to people who live, work, worship, attend school, do business, and any other entities within Chautauqua County. For more information, including how to become a member, call or text 716-665-7000 or visit them on the web at 665-7000.com. We have Assemblyman Andy Goodell in studio with us today to talk about the recently approved 2023 state state budget. Welcome. (laughs) Welcome. It's great to be here with you. Yes. Uh, So after several years, we have, we I think got accustomed to this on-time budget, but then we experienced something for some of us who are older, a little familiar with a late budget. It was only a week late at the most, but can you comment on first, before we get into some more details, what are some of the things that caused that delay uh, for the budget process this year? Well, ironically, the delay in the budget actually was over a fight over non-budgetary issues for the most part. Um, the state constitution requires that the budget only deal with budgetary items, but the state legislature routinely ignores the state constitution and tries to cram uh, non-budgetary policy into the budget. And the reason they try to cram non-budgetary issues into the budget is so that they can force people to vote on it. So they'll take uh, something that might not be very popular or may be very controversial, and they'll push it into a budget bill that includes many other items that are very popular. And this is one way they can force their members to vote for things that are controversial or unpopular, which, by the way, is exactly why the state constitution says they shouldn't be there. So this year, uh, one of the biggest fights was over uh, the lack of any bail for over 400 crimes. And so you've seen a massive increase in crime data all across New York State, including here in Chautauqua County. In large part, uh, or certainly a major factor, was the fact that when the police arrest someone for a crime, they are are given an appearance ticket, and they're back out on the street within hours. Uh, We've had situations where an individual, for example, was involved in a DWI, a fatality, that person was out before the next of were even notified. That's how, uh, how screwed up the system was. And so at any rate, um, there is a very liberal contingent from New York City in the Assembly that were very opposed to allowing any judicial discretion or any bail for any of these crimes. And... Um, and one of their members actually went on a hunger strike during the budget process to try to prevent any changes in the bail law. And on the flip side, you had even within the Democrat caucus, particularly among the more moderate members, a strong recognition that the uh, bail changes or the elimination of bail went way too far, and they needed to adjust it. And the governor, who's very sensitive to polling numbers, saw that over 70% of New Yorkers were very, very concerned about the rising crime rate and want something done. And so that discussion alone stopped the budget process for several days. Um, On a less controversial level, of course, was the funding for the Buffalo Bills. That was $600 million. Um, Now, it was a one-time capital investment of $600 million, but the state would then own the stadium, 
which means the state itself would have to uh, continue with the maintenance. Uh, ironically, but no surprise, um, the New York City delegation was not interested in investing more money in Buffalo, particularly for the Buffalo Bills. I did remind one of their members, though, uh, from Manhattan, that the state already gives a massive tax credit to those welfare, uh, wealthy Hollywood million and billionaires who make films in New York State, and we give a tax credit for theater productions in New York City. And those two tax credits, by the way, far exceed the one-time capital investment in the Bill Stadium. But there's a lot of controversy over that, uh, and eventually they, they agreed uh, to help fund the bills, um, recognizing the importance of that team from an economic perspective as well as from a, a, a community uh, perspective for, for the Buffalo area. So those were the two big issues that uh, caused the budget to be late. On the financial side, the state has received you know, an unbelievable amount of money from the federal government. So, you know, unlike past years where we were looking on how to save, this year the fight was over how much they could spend. Um, and so, you know, the budget itself is 10 different budget bills. Um, I voted against increasing the debt and uh, because, in my opinion, that's a very short, perspective, short-term perspective, and I think we'd be a lot better and a lot healthier as a state if we had lower debt, so I voted against that. Um, I uh, voted in favor of the tax cuts or some important tax cuts or tax credits that would help our agriculture, for example. Um, there's a middle-class tax cut that's being accelerated. Uh, there's over $2 billion that's being returned to property tax uh, payers, which I thought was very popular and appropriate. And so there's about $4 billion in tax cuts, which I supported. Um, and then most of the rest of the budget I voted against because it was just unsustainable. Um, and it was you know, just a massive giveaway that really didn't move New York State forward on a long-term basis. Mm -hmm. And this is a budget we're talking $220 billion once all said and done about. Is it that about the right number? Right. And that makes New York State's budget the second largest in total of all the nation, um, substantially larger than both Texas and uh, F Florida, both of whom are larger than New York State. And so New York State has a dubious distinction of leading the nation in terms of the largest increase in spending and, at the same time, the largest increase in the number of people leaving the state. Over 300,000 people left New York State for lower tax states like Florida and Texas, uh, especially during the pandemic. So, yeah, that's not a long-term strategy that's going to be successful in my mind. I think New York would be much better off if we uh, invested in the future, uh, reduced our taxes, uh, allowed people who live in New York to keep more of their own money in their own pocket and make their own decisions on how to best spend it rather than taking it away from them and spending it for pet projects that the legislature thinks are important. With every budget there, as you've mentioned, there were things you were able to support and a lot of things you weren't able to, but what would you say your key takeaways were with this budget? Um, well, my 
my key takeaway is that the budget is just, uh, it's bloated, if you will. Um, <clears throat> to put this in perspective, um, two years ago, the total budget was $176 billion. This year, it's $220 billion. I mean, that's a massive increase, and it's unsustainable. And so what happens is when you get an influx of unexpected money, as we did with the federal government, the wise thing to do is to use the, that money to reduce your debt and to make long-term investments that will pay off over years. That's the smart thing to do, whether it's investing in an infrastructure, reducing your debt, putting money away on a rainy day fund. Those are the kind of investments that pay huge dividends down the road. Unfortunately, uh, my biggest takeaway is that the, the politicians who are you know, from New York City, um, in my opinion, are very short-term thinking, and they want uh, an immediate bump, if you will, and they're running for election this year. And so they just spent the money like a drunken sailor. One of the things he mentioned, that rainy day fund, that was something that was in Governor Hochul's proposed budget. Did the legislature also approve funding that? I think was it she proposed, I think, a 15%. Was that something that went through in, in what the legislature was able to pass? Um, yes. So the, um, the governor recommended a, a fairly substantial increase in the rainy day fund. And the legislature cut substantially but still put some money in. Um, where I was really disappointed, though, is that during the pandemic, as you know, Governor Cuomo ordered businesses to shut down all across the state, including here in Chautauqua County. And so you had many, many of your major employers and almost all your small businesses were shut down for an extended time period. Not because they wanted to be, because they were ordered to shut down. During that time period, they, of course, incurred massive unemployment charges. And the unemployment system is based on your experience rating. So right now, New York State has a $9 billion shortfall in its unemployment fund. The federal government loaned the money to us, but we have to pay it back. This budget does not make any payment at all against that uh, unemployment fund. So, you know, rather than take the money and spend it on, you know, your favorite um, what would you say, uh, there's a special word for it, a boondoggle or something like that. Uh, you know, we should be taking that money and paying off that unemployment fund because the impact on all of our employers, the smallest employer to the largest employer, is horrific. Now, I, as you know, I have a private practice as well. It's quite small now because I've had to cut back because of the time I devote to the assembly. But my base unemployment rate is nine and three quarters percent of payroll, even though I didn't lay off any employee and I kept them all paid throughout the entire pandemic. Now you can imagine the impact on a company like Cummins or, or even your local small business owners. They're just being uh, hammered by those costs. Mm -hmm. So I'm um, uh because this is one of those things that maybe, I, I don't know if the average listener even understands either. So a company has to pay New York State toward the unemployment fund. Yes. And so does that amount go up depending on what the state has in their coffers at that time? Yes. And so there are uh, two um, factors that go into the company's unemployment rate. One is uh, your industry. And because we know, for example, that a lot of construction is seasonal, so we know that 
almost every construction company that has to do outside work will have higher unemployment claims. So part of it is seasonal. And then part of it is claims-based. And that's based on how many claims that particular company has filed. So with the pandemic, you saw the claims basis go right off the charts because, of course, all those companies had to lay off employees, not because they wanted to, but because they had to. They were ordered to. And so that amount, and that amounts to $9 billion, which is a huge amount, that amount has to be recovered by the unemployment fund. And the state, in my opinion, should use the federal funding that we're getting now for pandemic relief to pay off those pandemic expenses. Instead, they're using it for you know their favorite boondoggle. Mm-hmm. That brings a little more sense to it because I've heard it discussed before before I was in this current role and, and I didn't understand well why why were why was this being you know mentioned that there's this budget deficit and that does make more sense now. In terms of when we we've talked about you know concerns and there's and we'll we'll get to some of those more in and shortly here. Things that were good in this budget. Is there anything you can tell us that you, that were, you mentioned? Some of them. You mentioned the middle tax, uh, middle class tax cut. Uh, what else? And and some also some farm related. Uh, what are some things that that you're pleased to see happen in this budget for this year? Right. Uh, in addition to the middle ta- class tax cut, uh, this budget includes over two billion dollars that will be sent back as a refund to property tax owners. So that's a great benefit. Uh, and a huge positive change compared to last year when uh, New York City legislators pushed through a $2.1 billion giveaway to illegal immigrants. It was an amazing thing. If you were an illegal immigrant and you could prove that you were working in New York illegally, then you were eligible for over $15,000 in cash. Well, thank God this year we're focusing on law-abiding property tax owners, and we have over $2 billion included in that. Of special interest to uh, local residents and local taxpayers, the amount of school aid has gone up substantially in this budget, and that's important because that means your school property taxes will likely be modest this year, or, or maybe not even any. Um, we saw an increase in library aid, both on the construction side, uh, which was at $34 million, and on operating aid that went up by $5.5 million. And for many of our communities, the libraries are really key. Uh, there's a great program that uh, is run by the United Way uh, called 211. And if you're in trouble and you need help and you don't know where to look, you can call 211. It's a referral pr- program, and it ties all the nonprofit o- organizations together and helps people find the need, you know, what they need. Uh, I spoke on uh, behalf of the 211 program during the budget reconciliation and was very pleased they increased the funding for that program as well. Um, a special benefit for Panama, finally, after years of work, uh, in the budget was provisions to write off any unpaid amounts that had to be repaid. Now, Panama had a grant many years ago. They performed the grant perfectly. They did it exactly as they were supposed to, but they were required to file a cost report at the end of the project. And as luck would have it, as bad luck would have it, um, they had some administrative changes. They lost their um, comptroller, their treasurer, whatever, uh, business manager, I think, right at that time, and they didn't file a report on time. So even though they did everything right in terms of the project, they were required by the law that it 
applied at that time to repay the entire amount. Well, finally, we wreck the state legislature after considerable effort on my behalf and Senator Borello's behalf, uh, wrote that off as it should have been. Um, so that's a great thing. Right, and that, that went back as far as I think Kathy Young was still state senator when that first began. Yeah. That, the effort to, and so that is that is definitely good news for Panama. Now, uh, JCC, of course, is uh, really important for us here uh, locally. And we saw a drop in attendance uh, during the pandemic, especially when they went Zoom. I think it's come back up. So we changed the formula for state aid, which used to be based on attendance, and instead put it on a, uh, a flat basis based on where they were before the pandemic. Um, we also, for all of our students, increased the availability of the tuition assistance program, the TAP program. And there used to be what was called a TAP gap, where TAP wouldn't cover all the costs you need um, to have covered, we addressed the TAP gap, and that's a huge benefit for SUNY Fredonia and JCC, as well as I think JBC can, is uh, eligible for that. Um, when they put through the uh, free tuition program, they also required the colleges and universities to freeze tuition. Well, we know that the cost of heating the campus and the cost of salaries has gone up. So finally, we made arrangements to allow colleges and universities to gradually begin to increase their tuition so that they can bring their revenue in line with their expenses. Um, there was some adjustment on the bail reform issue, as I mentioned. Um, most of us thought it didn't go far enough, but it was some improvement. And the new amendments say that you get one free bite at the apple, if you will, but if you're rearrested, uh, before your first case is heard, then the judge can exercise judicial discretion and impose bail. It's a start. It's a movement in the right way, in the right direction. Because really, um, judges should be able to look at how dangerous a person is, how likely they are to hurt innocent people in the future, and we need to recognize that the criminal law plays an important role in deterring crime. And uh, as, as people often say, you know, justice delayed is justice denied. Well, you need to have a swift response to crime if you want to be effective in deterring future crime. So that was also positive. And then the, one other thing that I thought was really helpful, um, there was additional funding to help out our landlords uh, on back rent. Um, it was amazing to me that when we went into the pandemic, the state legislature passed legislation that basically allowed a tenant to say, I'm suffering from uh, pandemic expenses and therefore I don't have to pay rent. And some tenants went two years without paying rent. And of course, if you've gone two years without paying rent, there is no way that you can come up with that amount of rent at the end of the process. There's just no way. And by the way, the New York State program, I was so frustrated because it was different than the federal program in that the federal program said that if you suffered a loss in revenue because of COVID, you could reduce the amount you paid. So if you lost a certain amount, you still had to make partial payments. And the federal program required you to seek financial assistance and required you to work with a landlord. None of those protections were uh, in the New York State legislation. We debate against that. Uh, because we recognize that not only 
was the New York State wide open provisions, very hurtful for landlords. But at the end of the day, it was very hurtful for tenants. Because if you're not making partial payments, there's no way you can come up with a rent at the end. And of course, if you're evicted for not paying rent for two years, it's very difficult to get a new apartment because one of the first things the landlord will do is do a credit check. And, um, and they don't want to lend to somebody that's gone two years without making any payments. So it's just horrific for landlords and tenants. I was pleased that the state budget did include an additional $250 million to help tenants pay back utility bills and an additional $800 million to help tenants pay uh, landlords uh, some of that back rent. So hopefully that'll help the situation some. Yeah. Talking about, and you mentioned this a little bit, is like, you know, with school districts and increasing prices and things. And one of the things before we started recording, we were talking about issues out there and then issues that are budget related. And that one of those being the big one being inflation. Everyone's talking about inflation because everyone's experiencing it, whether you're buying groceries or if you drive a car, you, if, that's probably the biggest example. Go to sure. buy, buy gas and, and see what's happened because of inflation and what's happening around the world. Uh, with the budget, what are your concerns with how inflation is going to affect this budget over the course of just not just this year, I suppose, but even into next year? Right. So this budget did have a positive temporary relief, if you will, because the state cut the uh, price of gas by 16 cents a gallon. Now that kicks in in June, and it's just for six months. But that provides some temporary and immediate help for those at the gas pump. Obviously, on a much broader level, um, from a national level, we need to recognize that the law of supply and demand is not a law that the legislature can amend. And so every time you reduce supply and you don't reduce demand, we all know what happens. You know, when supply is down and demand is up, the price goes up. And that applies to energy policy, of course. And so when the federal government shuts down the Keystone Pipeline, uh, when the federal government cuts back on allowing oil and gas companies to produce more um, oil and gas, we create a supply shortage. And with that shortage comes price increases. Now, uh, there's a lot of environmentalists, of course, that applaud the fact that the price of your home heating natural gas is going through the roof because it makes it look as though other alternatives are more cost-effective. It's a lot cheaper to drive an electric car when the price of gas just went up, you know, 30%. So it makes it appear as though the other options are uh, more cost-effective. My approach is a little different. My approach is to try to keep costs down for all of our consumers and to address the environmental issues in a straight-up manner. So, you know, if you want to move forward to the Keystone Pipeline, Make sure it's done in an environmentally responsible manner. If you want to have um, more natural gas, make sure the fracking meets all the toughest environmental standards. But just cutting off supply results in, of course, a major driver of inflation. In terms of the state budget moving forward, of course, um, the state has over $69 billion in debt and another $170 billion in off-the-books debt. That's debt by public agencies and authorities like the Thruway Authority or the Dormitory Authority. In the past, uh, the inflation rate was uh, around 2%. The borrowing rate was very, very low. 
Now, this year's budget has $15 billion in payments on interest and uh, on, on those bonds, right? So imagine what's going to happen to the, uh, the interest rate on those bonds. You're already seeing it. You used to be able to get a mortgage for 2% or less, right? Now mortgages are like 5%. So take the state budget where our borrowing, current borrowing is in the 2% range, and we're paying $15 billion, and imagine what we have to pay if that goes from 2% to 6% or 8%. All of a sudden, you're going to see some really, really difficult financial issues facing the state government because of its high debt load, which goes back to an earlier comment. It always makes sense to reduce your debt load as much as possible so that you can weather these types of changes. Hmm. What else do you think that should be worked on going forward now that this budget's in place, that's passed? It's, I shouldn't say, I, like anything, I'm sure anything can be changed with legislation and everything, but what do you want? think the legislature should be working on now, at least until the end of the session for the next couple months at least? Certainly. So, um, you know, one of my top focuses is I always been to try to make New York more affordable place to live. And, and part of that is also addressing welfare reform. Because if you look at the local budget, you realize that the cost of welfare is one of the largest single budgetary items on your county tax bill. The problem that we have in New York State is that the welfare system has financial thresholds. And when you reach that financial threshold, you lose the benefit completely. And so it creates a fiscal cliff where you come up near that threshold and you cannot afford to make a little bit more money because what you lose when you cross that threshold exceeds the small amount of your increase. And so this fiscal um, cliff has been well documented, but I'm pushing as hard as I can to get the state to look at changing the way we deal with the earned income tax credit, which is a cash payment to those who are starting to work, so that instead of being linear, when you get to a fiscal cliff, the earned income tax credit will jump so that you can afford to leave welfare. And it seems to me that our top mission as it relates to welfare reform is how do we redesign the system so that welfare recipients who are working to leave poverty can afford to leave poverty. And as we address that issue, we're gonna see the cost to all the working families that they're paying through their property taxes go down. Uh, the second, of course, is how do we make it more affordable for businesses, especially small businesses, to hire people here in New York? And that means we need to look at the cost of workers' comp and the cost of uh, unemployment insurance. And so I'm going to keep working with my colleagues to get them to focus on the need to make it more affordable for people to be hired and to work in New York State. That's a key issue. And of course, um, as we continue to go forward, we need to continue to look at ways to reduce the crime rate. I'm hopeful that some of the changes in the bail law will help, but I think we need to do a lot more. And unfortunately, in the last few years, the majority, the Democrat majority, has been focusing on how do we help criminals rather than how do we help maintain safety in our communities. And just a couple simple examples. Um, 
We saw the bail reform where you're released on a, like a traffic ticket, even though you may have uh, just committed a serious robbery with a gun, right? That's the old law, uh, scary situation. Then we see that uh, they now are providing free college tuition for college inmates, or college inmates, yeah, free college tuition for prison inmates. They reduced the maximum sentence for a misdemeanor by one day so that immigrants who have been arrested and sentenced for the maximum for a misdemeanor won't be subject to deportation, as so though we need them here. They eliminated the... Um, uh, Pro, parole supervision fee, which was only $30 a month. So now the taxpayers have to pay that additional cost. Um, they now, in this budget, require that uh, the prison system provide free birth certificates and IDs for prison inmates. So you and I, if we need another copy of our birth certificate, we pay. But the person who robbed us and took all our money, they'll get it for free. So we need to change that focus, in my opinion, and say, look, we want to help inmates become rehabilitated. We want to help inmates be successful when they get out of jail. We want to avoid them going to jail in the first place. And the way to do that is be really firm and supportive at the same time. So firm by saying, look, if you commit a crime and you rob someone at gunpoint or at knife point, the justice is going to be fit, swift, and sure it's not worth it to go down that path. And then, and the flip side is, yeah, we need the job training programs available. We need to make it more affordable for people to hire workers in New York State. And we need to make the alternative path that much more attractive so that we reduce the need for crime by providing more employment opportunities. We increase the penalties for crime and we focus on how do we make sure that our neighborhoods are safe for the law-abiding residents who are working every day, who get up every day, who pay their taxes, who want to raise their kids in a safe environment. So we've been out of whack for the last few years, but I'm hopeful that as we move forward, we'll start focusing on what can we do to help law-abiding residents and make that career choice of being a law-abiding resident more attractive than going into crime. And one of the things he mentioned, and I, I forgot, it, it also had been uh, one of the discussions during the budget, was with child care. Um, and obviously child care, an issue, someone who wants to be able to get back into the workforce and then the ability to find child care. Was there anything that came out of discussions or is that something that was set aside for future discussions? No, this budget includes a lot of support for child care, uh, several hundred million dollars in child care. And in an effort to address the fact that Right now, child care support only goes up to 200% of poverty, which for most families is not enough. They raised the threshold to 400. As we began that discussion, um, I prepared a memorandum, uh, which I shared with the head of Ways and Means, as well as the chairman of uh, the Social Services Committees, on the need to make sure that that child care subsidy gradually phases down as a person's income increases, so that we don't have another financial trap for welfare recipients. Um, I have a, a great relationship uh, with the uh, chair of the Senate, 
um, social services committee. It seems strange for me to say that as an assemblyman, I have a great relationship with the Senate chair. She understands the issues. I have a great relationship with the Ways and Means chair in the assembly. And um, they're aware of that issue. And it's a very, very important that we phase it down. Now, I would say that Chautauqua County, a few years ago, uh, submitted a grant application as part of our economic development efforts to increase child care subsidies. And that grant application had that type of phase-down formula in it, recognizing the importance of both providing more support so that uh, families can go back to work, right, and afford to go back to work, while at the same time preventing that fiscal cliff. I'm hopeful that the state will follow the county's lead in that type of approach. Mm -hmm. So this is money that was up. So is this something that people can expect to look forward to if they're applying for with the with the several hundred million? Yeah, you, I think it was about eight hundred million, if I recall correctly, in additional child care support. And the most important change was we increased the eligibility threshold from two hundred to four hundred percent of poverty, which means that somebody under four hundred percent of poverty could get some support in their child care costs. Yeah. And uh, well, other thing uh, brought up is I know that with friends who have, who have small children, and they said that you know, the availability of child care is another issue, but I don't know that that was something that was on the dock this month, obviously, for, or I should say this year, uh, for, for that discussion. So we've talked about uh, some of the things you want to do next and some of the things that concerns. Is there anything else that you would like to add about the state budget for this year? Um, well, you know, the state budget is, uh, is 10 different bills. And I, I brought one here so that all of your um, radio listeners could see it. It's about three-quarters of an inch thick. That's just one bill. That's printed on both sides. And, of course, if you were here, you would see that uh, my copy is tabbed <laughs> because I actually called through the budget bill and tabbed the budget language. Uh, um, and there's 10 of them. So if I brought all of them here, I'd have to use, you know, a, a little card or something. Um, you know, the uh, budget has a lot of uh, spending, which is great if uh, you're looking forward to getting more financial aid from the state. That's good. I don't think it's sustainable because the federal aid's not going to continue at that level. Uh, so I'm hoping that we can use this interim period where we are flush with the federal funds to look at how we can restructure the uh, federal budget and the state operations in a way to be more effective in addressing inflation by increasing the availability of locally produced natural gas, for example, and uh, the availability of, um, of home heating, to take a longer-term perspective on green energy so that um, we don't find ourselves in a situation where we require everything to be electric, but we don't have any generators. And that's an issue that the state's facing now. To take a longer-term perspective in crime, uh, how do we discourage people from becoming criminals? How do we help people uh, recover uh, from crime? Um, that Not just on the victim side, but make that transition successfully out of prison to being a productive individual. And uh, what can we do to strengthen the overall under underlying economy of New York State? So those are my prim primary focuses, and um, I look forward to working with my colleagues and believe it or not, we work fairly effective on a lot of these big issues on both sides of the aisle. So that's what I'm continuing to work on. Assemblyman Gonzalez, thank you so much for coming in today. Uh, thank you. It's always a pleasure to be here with you.